You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Mother's Day is coming. How exciting is that? That is great. Thank you, Pastor Jaden, for that warm welcome. And of course, huge thanks to Amy and Mike for having us. Uh, here today. Of course, Mike is down in um, Botany preaching right now, so we should uh, take a moment and pray for him. Uh, I've got a guy, Shane Huang, preaching in city for me. It's kind of all mix and match today, um, but really believe in that. The right people are in the right places with the right word for the right issues at the right time. Amen. So come on, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today, God, this great day, Lord, and thank you that you are the one who holds the roster in your hands. Father, we ask your blessing and anointing on the gifts in Pastor Mike's life, God, as he preaches to Botany this morning. I ask you to bring breakthrough through him, Lord. Touch and lift people's lives. Father, we also pray for city. God, Pastor Shane preaching there. God, we pray the same. You anoint the gifts in his life. God, pray you bring life and healing and hope, God, to everyone who listens. And God, we pray for the best-looking bunch of people in the whole North Island. We're gathered right here today. I ask your blessing on us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Great to be here. Great to uh, be with family again. It's been a while, and uh, thank you, COVID. But uh, thank you, Lord, for bringing us back. It's just outstanding. Uh, I want to share today uh, on something that's been uh, percolating in my heart, and and the thought that I want to share with you today is that your time will come. Many years ago when I was a university student, I just got saved, and I was flatting with um, a good mate of mine, non-Christian guy, and a couple of girls that had been arranged, uh, the flat had been arranged the year before, and and now now we were there, and I got saved over the holidays, and and so an interesting crew. very interesting bunch of people to be flatting with. Um, one of the girls in particular, she was this blonde, quite attractive woman who was always being pursued by some guy, but she was also a bit of a drama queen. And I remember one night we had some sort of party at our house. There was all sorts of probably illegal things happening, and I'm just trying to steer clear of it all. And she was having some dramas with some guy. And, uh, and so I said something really helpful to her, like, you know, calm down or something that, <laughs> something that always helps people calm down. And... Um, and she got in my face and she says to me, you know, it's not easy being popular. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to say to her, not easy being popular. You want to try being unpopular? That's a tough gig, lady. <laughs> but of course, I wasn't very witty or clever. And so I didn't think of that till like, you know, three months later after, which time, that, of course, the moment had passed. Um, but, you know, I, I missed the opportunity to be cool and clever and all those things that I, I wished I was when I was that age. But isn't it true that we all want to be cool, we all want to be clever, we all want to be fast or strong, we all want to be good-looking, we all want to be wealthy, if nothing else, because there's something in society that tells us that if we have that going on in our lives, chances are we'll be happy. We'll be happy, we'll be successful, and lucky breaks will come our way. Yet who knows that... that the reality of life is, is that, that that's not true. That doesn't happen. I mean, just look on the news, right? At any, any given week, and you'll, you'll hear the stories of people who are all of those things, and they're in and out of rehab, and their third and fourth marriages are now falling apart, and they're in court, and there's all sorts of dramas going on. You know, it just doesn't work out that way. I mean, I think back to when I was at school. We had this guy in my sixth form, uh, for those of you who are over 40, or year 12, for those of you who aren't, and I mean, he was a super cool, super good looking guy. All the girls were chasing him. You know, fast forward a few years and he's got hooked on drugs and he is now completely stoned out of his mind all of the time. And he would just sit on the grass verge of the road outside of town and watch cars go by. I mean, it's such a tragedy what happened to that guy's life. We had another guy in year 13, former seven. 
And this guy was an athletic genius. He was unbelievably strong for his size. And yet, at one point, he didn't get into one top team. And as a result, he gave away all of his athletic achievements. Just couldn't handle not being the very, very best. And yet, he was so talented. Or then there's the guy who I flattered with at university, uh, who basically was an alcoholic, who took multiple years to get through a fairly basic degree. And now, all these years later... He's a millionaire. He's married to the same girl that he married straight after university. He's got fantastic kids who are all national rankings in different sports. He's about to retire uh, early so he can focus on his athletic achievements. I mean, you just can't pick the way life's going to go, can you? You just can't pick it. Solomon noted this in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Let me read this to you. He says, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. The 30th president of the United States, President Calvin Coolidge, who said a a lot of smart things, he noted this as well. Regarding talent, he said, nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Regarding intelligence, he noted that unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Regarding education, he said, the world is full of educated derelicts. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But as Solomon so rightly says, time and chance happen to us all. And here's what I want you to realize today. Time and chance happens to you as well, and your time will come. The key question is this, will you be ready when it does? I want to look today at three people in scriptures, really ordinary, really average people, people remarkably like you, probably uh, remarkably like all of us, right? We're all pretty ordinary, average people. I completely said that wrong. I was meant to say ordinary people like me, of course. But, but you know, we're all like that, right? We're all just ordinary, average people. And in the scriptures, that's what I love about the scriptures. It's not just a, a book of heroes, It's a book of ordinary, average people who connect with an unbelievable God and find extraordinary things happen. So we're going to look at three people. The first one I want to look at today is this really average guy called Jeroboam. Jeroboam. He's better known as Gideon. And uh, Gideon had this angel turn up to him and prophesy over him. Now, I don't know what it's like for you, but when a visiting speaker comes and prophesies over me, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. It's like God speaking. It's awesome. Well, this guy didn't have a visiting speaker come. He had an angel come. Like, this is big deal stuff. Like, (laughs) angel speaking, the Lord's. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. And, 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 And he gets this incredible message about all the things he's going to do in his life. And what he does is he explains to the angel, he explains to God why that is not going to happen because he's just not that guy. Let me read this to you. He says, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Check that self-esteem, ladies and gentlemen. Check that confidence. But here's what happened. Despite all of that, he was a guy who committed himself to be faithful in whatever small thing God asked him to do. And as he did that, God began to prepare him. Why? Because his time was coming. The first thing that God asked him to do was to take some 
of his very precious food. Very precious food. I mean, they are uh, dominated by the Midianites. I mean, they're just scratching to survive. Food is not something they have uh, a lot of. And God says, I want you to take some of that and make an offering to me. Man, that is tough when you're starving. But Gideon did it. You know, great destinies are often sparked in small offerings made in obedience. I'm going to say that again. Great destinies are often sparked in small offerings made in obedience. Can I ask you this morning? Where are you at with regards to taking a little bit of what God has blessed you with and, and sowing it on? Whether that be into this church or somewhere else. And, and here's, the, here's the deal. I'm not trying to raise money for Elam. I don't care. I don't care. And if you don't do that, if you don't take a little bit of your income and, and give it somewhere, here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to do it and go and give it somewhere else. Go give it to a busker. I don't care. Go give it to a missionary. Go give it to somebody else. Because I guarantee you that when you do, you will find that something happens in your finances. In fact, here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to do this for one year and on your phone or in a notebook, keep a list of everything that you give away and then in another column right beside it, write down everything that comes in over and above salary and wages. Because when Jesus said, given it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaking together, running over will be poured into your lap, he wasn't making it up. Sometimes we need to take that step of faith like Gideon did. Sometimes that is the first step that God asks us to take because sometimes giving something financially is the hardest thing to give. The next step that God had for Gideon was to get rid of Israel's altar to Baal and, and instead offer, make a sacrifice to him. Now, Gideon was afraid to do this, very, very wisely so, because he, in fact, he was in danger of being lynched when this happened. But, but what he did was he said, okay, God, like, this, is like, this is getting scary now. I, you know. And so he made the decision, I'm not going to do it during the day. I'm going to do it at night. So at night, he snuck into, into the, um, uh, the, the temple there that, that his father oversaw, and he broke down the altar. And he did, it. he did it at night because he was afraid. But he did it. You see, being afraid is not an excuse for disobedience. We had a wonderful, wonderful uh, couple that we know. They were actually in our small group when we first came to Auckland. Uh, and um, the husband passed away just a couple of weeks ago in a tragic motorcycle accident. Some of you, I'm sure, will know them. Lovely South African couple. What a powerful funeral. And one of the things that his wife said at the funeral was, she said, he made me, sorry, he didn't make me. He encouraged me to do things while afraid. And she shared all the adventures that they had and the incredible things they done. She said, he encouraged me to do things while afraid. Can I encourage you to obey, even if you're a little bit afraid? Get in here to tear down and remove this altar. Is there anything in your life that you need to get rid of? Any small thing that maybe actually, if you're really honest, is actually a stumbling block to your walk with the Lord? Something that's holding you back from being the person you should be? The third thing Gideon had to do is he had to stand up and blow the trumpet. And in, in, in that culture and in that time, what that meant was he had to call people to gather to him. Now he's got to take the place of saying, yeah, I do have something going on in me. And I'm going to gather you and I'm going to be the leader. Like that's a, that's a bit of a big deal, right? But again, it was a small step and he took it. 
can I say to you, I think there's some of us here who need to do the same thing. Some of us here have been walking with the Lord for many years, got plenty to give and plenty to share, and maybe even the Holy Spirit's been nudging you for, I don't know, maybe years now, saying, why don't you just start a small group? Just try it. Try it for six months. If it doesn't work, tell them to go home. But gather some people, because you've got something to give. You've got something to share. And as the situation in biblical times is exactly the same today. We so desperately need more mothers and fathers of the faith that this younger generation can get alongside and learn some stuff off. What's the next step for you? You know, many more small steps followed uh, between the Lord and Gideon. And then one night came and it was time for the big step, the massive challenge. Gideon had to lead a small group of people in warfare against an, an, an estimable army without any weapons, just using torches, pottery jars, and trumpets. But when Gideon's time came, he was ready. And here's the thing, he was still afraid. Can I say to you, it's just fine to be afraid. It's just fine to be afraid. I am afraid almost every time I get up to speak, unless it's my own home church. I just, I am, I'm just nervous. I'm just, there's a little bit of that going on. It's okay. Don't, don't freak out about fear. Fear is part of the normal Christian life. It's okay. A little, bit of, a little bit of fear keeps you sharp. But keep pressing forward. In Judges 7, we read this. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down to the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, he says, take your servant, go down and listen to them. So what does Gideon do? He takes his servant, goes down and listens to them. Why? Because he's afraid. I love the fact that our heroes in the Bible, these ordinary men and women, continue to press forward and take the steps God calls them through, even if they're afraid. And he goes down and listens and is encouraged and then leads Israel to the most significant breakthrough in a generation. Who knew that all of Gideon's little steps were preparing him for that big step that would take him and those around him into a different place, a different space, a different breakthrough. Can I say to you, who knew that all the little steps that God is leading you in, I'm telling you, they're leading to a point where you will take a big step and you will lead yourself and others into breakthrough into a different season of your life. Some of you are doing minimum wage jobs and I've did my years doing minimum wage jobs, and you're thinking, man, are we going to get anywhere in all this? But I'm telling you, if you're faithful to keep taking the steps the Lord is telling you to take, one day you will not be earning minimum wage anymore. You'll be earning great money. Your time will come, but will you be ready? Some of you feel stuck at home raising kids. And let me say, there's no more important job probably on the planet than raising kids. So it's, it's not a question of value, but it is a question of perspective. I get that sometimes if you're a mom or you're a dad and you're at home looking, for the, looking after the kids, it can feel like you're stuck in that place. But I'm telling you, if you will be faithful to keep doing what the Lord tells you to do, the day will come when not only will you have raised amazing adults, but God will use you to raise other things. I don't know, raising leaders, raising businesses, raising finance, raising the dead. I don't know, but God's going to use that through something great. Amen? Come on. Some of you are looking after small responsibilities, small responsibilities, small ministries, small groups. But I'm telling you, if you're faithful to keep taking the steps the Lord tells you to take, one day you won't be looking after small anymore. You'll be looking after big, big responsibilities, big churches, big businesses, big groups. Your time will come. Will you be ready?
Okay, let's look at the second person in Scripture. It's this fascinating woman called Ruth. Ruth is an immigrant. She's someone who has lost her husband and lost her husband tragically young. She has followed her mother-in-law as she has left Moab and gone back to Israel. She is now someone in a new and different environment, and you cannot know what that is like until you have been there. Can I have an amen from anyone who's immigrated? But here's what she did. She was someone who humbled herself and took advice. She followed instructions. In fact, in Ruth 3 verse 5, when her mother-in-law Naomi gave her some advice that would turn out to be absolutely pivotal for her life, although she couldn't have known it in the moment, this was what she says, verse 5, I will do whatever you say. She knew the power of taking advice from wise people. She went and followed that advice. She won the heart of a man who later became her husband, just turned out to be the wealthiest guy in town, just turned out that that also restored Naomi's financial situations as well. She became the great-grandmother of King David himself and is listed for eternity in the lineage of Christ himself, all because she was someone who was willing to humble herself and take advice. Her time came, and she was ready. Let me ask you, are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to humble yourself to ask what the best way is? Your time will come if you take the advice of wise people around you. Yeah, in City Campus, we have this great young guy, Pastor Shane Huang. He's, uh, he's a fascinating character. He's our associate pastor there. He's an immigrant. He moved to New Zealand from China. Um, here, he found himself in a very different environment. He uh, qualified as a builder, and then ended up starting his own building company. He was very successful. He came to church. He found God. He met his wife. He started a family. Uh, He came on to our team initially uh, running our translation. Then he uh, started running Growth Track for us. Then he became our outreach pastor. Then he became the head of department for Growth Track across all of the campuses. Uh, And now he's our associate pastor in the city. And uh, I tell you, we had this fascinating thing happen last year. Uh, It was when we were all back together again. We had a, a network day. Uh, at Pepakura, and one of the sessions that Pastor Boyd, our national leader, wanted to do was a session on growth track. So Shane was the HOD. He, he, never, he knew nothing about Shane, but he said, great, Shane, can you do this session on growth track? Shane is up there, and he is killing it. I mean, Shane is hilarious because he's this Chinese guy with a thick Chinese accent, but he's got a Kiwi sense of humor, and he is funny. Not only is he funny, he's got great theology. He's a smart guy. And I'm watching Boyd. I'm sitting third row back, and Boyd's sitting up there on the front row, and Boyd's looking around going, who the heck is this guy? Where did he come from? And as soon as he finished, Boyd came over to me and he said, I want to take that guy around the country with me to all of the regionals. He's flying out with me this afternoon. I said, well, you better ask Shane. He went and asked Shane. Do you know what Shane did? He said, I better ask my wife first. And he did. He flew out that afternoon. He went around the country. He is amazing. I'm telling you what, you know what Pastor Shane's superpower is? From the moment I I knew him, like Ruth, he humbles himself and he takes advice. I get this feeling we have yet to see what God's going to do with this Chinese immigrant Kiwi pastor in this nation. Your time will come too. Will you be ready? And that leads us to the third person today we want to look at. This is a guy called Matthias. This is the apostle you've never heard of. Matthias loved and followed Jesus. 
He was there from the very start of Jesus' ministry when, when John the Baptist is baptizing. He, he was there right from the beginning. And then, and then Jesus turned up and, and he's following Jesus and it's unbelievable. And Jesus goes up on the mountainside. He says, I'm going to pick my team. I'm picking my 12. And he comes down and Matthias would have been there right on the front row waiting to hear his name called. And Jesus calls out 12 names and Matthias' name is not in the 12. I mean, that is tough. Like, I wonder how we felt, right? He was overlooked. How easy it would have been to get disappointed. How easy it would have been to get just a little bit bitter, to just give up, to, just to blame somebody for it. But you know what? Time and chance come to us all. Let me read to Acts, Acts chapter 1. It's necessary, Peter speaking, to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Who the heck is Matthias? And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Here it is. Show us which one of these you two have who you have chosen, to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs, and they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. Peter stands up and says, we've got to replace Judas. Who have we got? They proposed two guys, been there from the beginning, and here's the key part. He says, God, you know the state of these guys' hearts. You see, the defining thing, the defining thing that meant that Matthias stepped into an apostolic ministry was not his gifting, not his ability, not his success. It was none of those things. You know what it was? He kept his heart right. He kept his heart right and his time came. Your time will come if you keep your heart right. Don't get disappointed. Don't get bitter. Don't give up. Don't blame others. The test is not... Is not, is your heart right? The test is, is your heart right when you've been overlooked? Is your heart right when you've missed out on a place, when you've missed out on that job or that promotion, or when you've been corrected or when you've been demoted? That is when it counts. That's when it matters. That's when you've got to get your heart right. You know, it's interesting, in the book of John, chapter 15, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You see, there's this, there's this idea that, that we exist to create things, to produce things from our lives that are of no benefit to us that others benefit from. That's what fruit is. It's something that we produce that others are blessed by. And God is saying, that's what I've called you to do. But Jesus also says this, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I get the cutting off of things in me that don't bear fruit. Stuff that's not so good, habits, beliefs, little attitudes that I've got that aren't right, that are even sinful, stuff that's not helpful. I get that God comes along and says, yeah, you need to deal with that, and we need to deal with that, and we need to deal with that. But you know what? When I'm doing great, when I'm killing it, when I'm making a difference, when I'm helping, when I'm blessing, when I'm doing all those things, and then Jesus comes to me and says, yeah, we've still got a bit of that attitude there. You know, it's so easy to go, What? Where's the pat on the back here, Lord? Where's the, hey, doing great, son? And all I'm getting is more correction. You know, it is easy in that place to feel this is not fear. And I'm telling you, more destinies are made over the test of unfairness 
than anything else. Jesus himself says, Will the master thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Will you keep your heart right? Because your time will come. Will you be ready? You know, many years ago when I was an intern myself, uh, we had a couple of older staff members uh, take credit for a couple of ideas that me and this other intern came up with, which turned out to be very pivotal for the direction of the organization and a whole bunch of things was going on. And, and we couldn't believe it. These guys like went to the senior leader and shared these ideas as if they were their own. And we were angry and upset and gutted and interns. <laughs> and there was nothing we could do. And you know what? Man, I tell you what, the temptation to get bitter, the temptation to lose faith, the temptation to get disappointed in leadership, all of that stuff. And I remember sitting in our car, waiting for Liz to finish work. I'm sitting there. She's doing some extra hours at the travel agency she was running. And I remember just in this wrestle with God, and I had to decide right then and there, whose hands does my future rest in? Does it rest in the hands of men and women? Or does it rest in the hand of God? Because if it rests in the hands of men and women, I've got to fight for this. But if it rests in the hands of God, I can trust Him with that because He sees all. And so, you know what I decided? I decided to trust God that my future rested in His hands. And look, if other people wanted to take credit for my ideas, look, if it helped the organization, I was just going to roll with that. Can I say to you, many years later, and having been in many senior positions, letting others take credit for ideas that are mine have enabled me to see great changes take place in situations that I would never have seen any other way. My time came. And thank God I was ready. Here are the thoughts this morning. Be faithful with your small steps, like Gideon. Now, one time when I was uh, early in my internship, uh, I had the opportunity to take over kids' church, which was not really exciting because I don't really like kids. <laughs> Except for my kids, quite like my kids, but generally speaking, uh, we, we run a midweek play group. And uh, whenever we run our Urban Mums program, we, we put on programs for the mums, all of the staff have to go into the auditorium and look after, you know, 20 or 30, three and two-year-olds. And, and you can see me. I'm, I'm the guy standing down here by the stage on the very verge of a panic attack, desperately trying to keep my anxiety under control. So I, I volunteered for Kids Church. We needed someone. I volunteered. I ran it for two painful years. I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at building a team. I wasn't good at delegating. I was not good at keeping things simple. But I kept taking the steps. And guess what happened? My time came. Firstly, to teach a class at a high school, which was amazing. And then to lead a church. And I was ready. Because as a pastor once said to me, if you can run kids' church, then you can run big church. Because if we're honest, the behavior often isn't much different. <laughs> Keep taking the steps. The second thought is this. Be humble and take advice from others like Ruth. I had the opportunity when I was uh, after my internship 
but I was asked to start a university ministry in the Elam Church in Dunedin. And I was so excited because I had all these great ideas. I've been reading a whole bunch of books and I had all these, these ideas. And, and, and meanwhile, someone had given me this manual, training manual that belonged to a guy who ran a big university ministry. And God said to me, I want you to do it by the book. And I said, no, 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 Lord. I've got these great ideas. Really, I'm really smart. I've got this down. You want to hear some of my ideas? And God was like, no, you're going to do it by the book. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like this very much anymore. And he said, do it by the book. And I still remember gutting my way through that decision to say, Lord, I will humble myself. myself. And I built that ministry by the book. And it grew into a healthy, growing student ministry that still exists today. When your time comes, do you have a habit of seeking wise advice? Learn to take advice now because your time will come. And then lastly, keep your heart right. Like Matthias, will you deal with the test of unfairness? Will you keep your heart right? And will you keep trusting the Lord even when it isn't fair? God is looking for people like that. You know, I've seen something over the years. I've seen that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to us all. Your time will come. Will you be ready? Come on, let's pray. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, that you are working in all of our lives, God. God, and even if we've had opportunities before, God, I thank you that opportunities are still out in front of us. God, I thank you that even though if, if, we've, if our time has come previously, God, our time will come again. And God, that you are looking for people, looking for people like us, looking for people who will be faithful to take small steps, looking for people who will humble themselves, God, and seek wise advice. God, you're looking for people who will keep their hearts Right, God, I pray for every one of us here, Lord, that you will continue to prepare us, that when the opportunity comes, not only might we see it, but we might be ready for it. I thank you, Lord, for great things and great breakthroughs that are in front of us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I say quickly, if you're here today and you don't actually have a relationship with Jesus like that, like you've never actually entered into that kind of me and God thing, well, maybe... Maybe your time has come now. Maybe through lockdown, you've actually, if you're honest, you've actually drifted from God. And, and if I was to say to you, are you right with God? You know you're not in a right place with God. Maybe this is for you as well. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world. It doesn't say He so loved the Christians. He so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's what we celebrated at Easter just a few weeks ago. But the Bible also says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of His standard. It's our sin that keeps us separated from knowing God and experiencing Him. That's why Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for us, that through putting our faith in Him, what He did might apply to us. Our sins might be forgiven. We can enter into this whole new existence with God. We can know Him and experience Him. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that to all those who received Him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's you this morning. If it's time for you to get right with God, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Come on, let's all bow our heads, close our eyes. If that's you, why don't you just pray this between you and God right now. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. God, I admit that I am a sinner 
and that my sin keeps me separated from knowing you. But Jesus, I believe that you came and died on that cross for me. I receive you right now as my God and as my Savior. God, forgive me for my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Give me a brand new start. Help me to know you and experience your love in my life and your plan. Today, I commit myself to you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me from this moment on. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed and head bowed just for one more moment. Because if you did pray that prayer this morning, it'd be a huge privilege for me just to be able to pray for you. I'm not going to make anyone stand up or do anything embarrassing, but I am going to ask you to do something brave. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and give me a wave because I want to pray a prayer and I want to know who I'm including in that prayer. I want to ask God to surround you with His angels. I'm wanting to ask, to ask God to bless you and be near you in this next season of your life. And it would be a great privilege for me to know who it is I'm praying for this morning. So if that's you this morning, if you prayed that prayer right now, like this, put your hand up, give me a wave. Say, yeah, Mike, that was me. Would you include me in that prayer? Is anyone here this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Anyone else here this morning? Anyone else? God bless you. Come on, let's pray. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, for every decision made in this place, God, to walk closer with you. God, the decision made to accept you fully and wholly, God, to come back to that right place with you. Mighty God, I ask you will command your angels concerning these ones, God, to surround them, Lord, and guard these steps. God, I ask, God, you surprise them with your goodness and your favor and your nearness. God, I pray that you will unknot some of the knotted difficulties, God, they're dealing with. God, I pray that they will know the blessing of walking with you and feeling your presence and knowing that you love them. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus. We all together see. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.